good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. This is your first time listening. Thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick from Pullstring Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Mark. I love it. It always sounds so professional when you do that. It makes me, I mean, not that we're not, but just that I think like I get pride when you, nice. when you, you mention our sponsors, you do the full read in and you do it fresh every time. I do it live every, it's every not time. Pretty, right? Sounds great. I, as you know, I am fascinated with people and especially people in companies. And we've asked uh, one of our guests from the past to come back and join us, uh, Professor Bruce Gillies, how are you? Welcome I am well. Back. I am well, Mark. Thanks for having me From back. From California Lutheran University, and I want to shout out to our sponsor, Gerhard. Gerhard, thank do you we so still, much. Do we still shout out? Is that still a thing? Shout I mean, yeah. it's 2018. I'm <laughs> old, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. I am old. I do <laughs> shout outs. I want, because... <laughs> what up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounded terrible. Word. Okay. <laughs> Word up. No, it's, no, it's woke, well, and I'm not yes. sure what that means. But you should probably I'm, not use it then. <laughs> But I'm 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 thrilled this relationship we've had now going you know it's well into our third year, um, because just extremely personal for me I get to have I feel like these master classes with you professors that um, other people don't get to have so I get to be a surrogate for the audience but I learn so much from each one of you and when you uh, said you're working on a book I said okay I want to I want to just crawl into that because. Uh, first off, I'm. People said I should write a book, and I I do not have the discipline to do that. <laughs> How long did it take you to write this? Uh, boy, sh- shoot! It started back in probably 2006. Okay. Yeah, it took a long time. Um, um, you know, you, you you get really motivated to get it going first, and mm-hmm. um, you start cranking out a lot of stuff, and then um, it sits on the shelf for a while until you get that motivation again, and. Um, um, the publishing process was uh, new, new to me. I mean, it was a learning experience all by itself. So the title is The 21st Century Career Search System. And if you've got the, I love the picture, and I'm, I'm sure there's a whole story around the picture, but the picture is a bunch of gears and, and two guys going up the gears, like going up the, the, the corporate ladder, if you will. Um, who's the book designed for? Um, it's divine for anybody who's in a career change situation, and that could be anybody from a college student um, to um, career um, military folks that are transitioning to the civilian world, to um, somebody who's just tired of doing what they're doing, and it's time to uh, time to look for different uh, different venue to uh, pursue. We had Dr. Yannette Thomas on the show, who has a business called Strategic Transitions. And her thing is for these career transitions. In her case, it's uh, academics who are going from, uh, I call it from .edu to .com. Right. Like they're coming out of academia and they're just doing that career change. Um, and I know as a professor, a lot of this is research. 
how much research did you have to do on this? Or is this just your life? You live this? Yeah, well, um, uh, I was a career counselor in the Navy for many years. Oh, and okay. um, Yeah, and so um, after I got out of the Navy, I retired from the Navy. I went to work for the Navy as a civilian as, a, as the uh, Navy Senior Transition, uh, Career Transition Program Manager. And um, in that capacity, we developed classes for transitioning military folks to how do you take a, uh, what, what are the reportable skills? Right. How do you take what you did in the, in the, in the military and convert right. that over to what you can do in a civilian world? As an example, if you were on a uh, battleship and you were shooting 16-inch guns, you know, launching a Volkswagen-sized projectiles at somebody, there's not a whole bunch of call for that in the civilian right. world. Right? right. So we had to figure out, well, what, what That's a great example. Tell me, yeah. that's a, like perfect example. Sure. What sure. would you tell well, that person? Well, they've got, you know, they've got skills as far as maintenance. They've got skills okay. as far as planning and logistics. They have skill as far as leadership and communication. Um, they've got skill as far as um, taking orders, team building. Um, so there's a lot of different different skills that we don't even think about that are that are crucial to the workplace today. I mean, when you think about teamwork, um, somebody coming, um, say you're a, a special ops person and um, you've been trained to um, go out and um, you know. Um, Take people out. Well, how, did, how does that convert over to the civilian world, right? Well, the team building aspects, the planning, the, um, the ability to uh, um, uh, take care of crisis situations and respond correctly in those situations. Those are all transportable skills that any employer almost would like. So we just have to make sure that we maximize those. Is it also about getting that, that, that individual to understand how to articulate absolutely. that skill set? That's absolutely correct. And um, a lot of times, again, they come in, they're frustrated. I've had yeah. uh, you know, meetings with folks where they came in and I said, so you know, one of your first interviews is probably going to have the question, tell me about your strengths and weaknesses. Oh. And somebody would sit there and, and I had a young lady that just started crying. I don't have any strengths. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I oh, said, well, I'm sure you do. You I know? would have thought it would have been the other way around, that a military <laughs> yeah. person would be like un unwilling to express their weaknesses because that would be a sign yeah. of bad. Yeah, no, no, they were, they were no problem with their weaknesses, which is a challenge because, oh, you know, man. we got to tell them how do you convert that challenge into, well, I used to do this and I learned how to become better at it and this is how it turned into a strength. What did you advise her? How did you get her through it? We, we did some practice interviews. Then we said, you know, well, what was your, you know, your favorite time while you were in the Navy? What kind of things did you do? Um, that, that, that you enjoyed doing. And mm. uh, so we talked about those kind of things and was able to, um, to bring her around. And uh, she had a whole, you know, whole list of them. Turns out. A list out. of stories, yeah. But she just didn't know they were in there. That's correct. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what is it that someone can do to, what kind of practical thing could they do to take an inventory of those no, skills? Of the strengths? Yeah. That, that's a good term for it is an inventory because a lot of times, um, we have these experiences that we don't realize that we have, and it's important to write them down and have a, um, um, a basically a, a small book of what we call your your cars, your challenge, actions, and results. What, what, what is that? Ho, ho, the cars, ho. the C A R, hmm. challenge, action, and results. Okay, is so it, is that because when once it's static, you can start reflecting on right. it. You can start. Uh, playing with it, but if it's just all ephemera, if it's all just in your head of like, That's man, exactly I know right. I've got a thousand things, but I just can't, you know, which one should I mention? That's exactly right. And when you have a library of them, then you can pick the right one for the right right job yeah. and that's that's part of why it's a system rather than just a you know okay you've got your resume well great you might have a great resume but if your resume doesn't match what your cover letters are saying mm -hmm. you're gonna have a problem or if your interview doesn't reflect back to your cover letter or back to your resume 
then that's going to be out of whack. So it's, uh, it's all about a system. And if any component is not as strong as it should be, you're going to have problems. I think of that as brand consistency. <laughs> Part of it, yeah, absolutely. Right, because right. if you think of yourself, yourself as a brand, that's exactly right. right. Uh, Tom Peters said that famously 30 years ago in his book, Brand You. There you go. Right, which is like you're a brand and personal brand building and, and all of that. And I, I think of it as what are the characteristics of my brand? Right. Right, I'm helpful, I'm a team leader, I'm you know, a good communicator. Those are That's brand exactly characteristics. Right. And, and I think unless you've had some experience in marketing or communications to understand what that means, it's probably hard for a civilian to figure that out. That's right. But if, you're, if you compare yourself to an Apple or an IBM, or which has very, very distinctive brand characteristics, right. it's very helpful, especially when you're trying to communicate. I'm curious in this system, uh, do you do you give? Um, I think of systems as because uh, I'm, I'm a, I've been accused of being a systems thinker, right? Because uh, I think of, cause I'm a chef and I think of recipes and right. formulas and that. So do you have recipes and formulas and that? Absolutely. There's a, there's there's plenty of um, recipes. I mean, you got sample cover letters in there. Um, we talk about um, uh, how do you maintain soft control. What does the, that mean? Well, soft control is where um, you're not trying to take control over the over the process of um, of an interview or um, or the job search or the um, your candidacy, candidacy, but you are trying to deliver soft control. Too many times people will go into an interview and they'll say, um, um, you know, tell me about yourself. So they'll blurt out this this response, and then um, then that'll be it. And they need to make sure they follow up with a follow up question to find out. Is that something that your company would need? Because it's a two-way interview. When you think about people going for a job interview, the company's not just interviewing you. You're interviewing the company, too. Very I mean, much so. Yeah. Even more so now, I feel. I agree. Nobody yeah. nobody knows that. None of the candidates that I ever, everything, like when I'm talking to friends that are, like I had a friend who was going to go interview at, at the local TV station, and I was saying, you know, you really need to find out if that's a place you want to commit some time to. Right. And they're like, no, well, of course it is. It's a TV And I'm just like, no. They might not be at the right environment. Right. You need to really investigate them as much as they're investigating you. And uh, and it was just that thought of like, oh, I I was just so happy to get the interview. It right. didn't occur to me that I should be checking right. in to see if this would be a good fit. Because there's that, there's that feeling of desperation of affirmation where you just want somebody to offer you a job right. when you're mm. hungry for a job. And it's it puts you in this kind of vulnerable position that I think is is a very scary one, right. you know. And you don't know you don't know that you should have some kind of self worth going into that. And that's that's what the soft control also brings is that self that sense of confidence that um, I, I am in control. It's up to me to determine what I get to do next, and I think yeah. that's that's really important as well. What's the best? So I'm gonna from the point of view of the interviewer, because a lot mm -hmm. of the people who listen to the show are, you know, they're hiring people, right? right? And they want to, I want to get better at this. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly thinking about this. Right. What's the, give me the best opening question. Boy, the best opening question. Um, the one that helps set the sure. tone for how it's going to go. Yeah. Tell me why you want to work here. Mm. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then what's the answer to that? Well, the, the answer could be, well, I, you know, I need the money or um, I've heard a lot about the company and I think it's a good fit for the organization. That's what I want to hear. I yeah. want to hear that I came into this room knowing who I'm talking to. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you got to do your research. You really do as a, as a candidate. You really have to do your research on the company. And clearly yeah. the company is trying to get research done on you by looking at your resume, yeah. doing any background checks, those kind of things. So it's a, you really, it's a, it's a homework piece on both sides. It feels like uh, anecdotally I understand that 
candidates now do more research on companies that they're going to go work at than ever before. And I think it's because, of course, of the web. Right. And they're looking for things to Patrick's point. Is this a place I want to spend time? Like culturally, is it a cultural fit? Is it a, you know, does this company give back to the community? Are they integrated? Right. Do they have, uh, uh, you know, I, social justice is the wrong word, but is there a social component? It's, it's the right word. Is, is this yeah, what is, is it? Yeah. Justice. What's the moral compass of this company? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Internally and externally. Yeah. You know, yeah, great. Uh, the, the company can put on a great face outside, but when you go talk to somebody inside, you know, well, yeah, they, they, they make us look good because we're putting in all these extra hours and everything because they require us to. So, you know, what's the... Uh, Due diligence works both exactly. ways, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's that part of the beginning process of, uh, of, of looking for work is getting, getting out there and getting those informational interviews done. Um, so many people, you know, when I tell them, you know, take them to lunch, take, you know, go find somebody who's already in that job that you want. Take them to lunch. And oh. I, heard, I, I heard that piece of advice 20 yeah. years ago. It was the best thing I've ever heard. And it still ha it happens to me. Mm -hmm. People say, hey, I want to take you to lunch. And then also I still – that's the advice I give to people. Right. Go, go find somebody who's already doing it. Right. They, they have – they will backfill and let you know whether or not that's where you want to be. And it's, right. it's the, that's a powerful bit of advice. I, I thank you for that. that yeah. I'd never heard that. I We had a policy at Wayfront which was um, – it was after we'd hired a sales guy – and I went to lunch with him and a client, and he, he was embarrassing. His, his manners at lunch, great sales guy, but it was awful. And it was then I determined every single employee in this company, we are going to have a group lunch with them before they get a job. There you go. And we would go to City College, actually. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going right. to say that you give them table manners. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Listen, no. don't rush through your burger. That fork is for the salad. Yes, right. <laughs> Put your napkin on your lap. Uh, the, no, we would, we would go do that just because it's all that other stuff which, right. which speaks to fit. So I want to talk about that a little bit because I, we've had a lot of people on the show talk about uh, culture and um, that if we're going to attract people to our company, that culture is the thing that attracts them. So how do you determine or what's your coaching in the system around cultural fit? Well, <clears throat> it's one of the interesting things that I, that I think makes this book unique is I talk about the first 90 days on, on the job. Okay. Um, so many books take you right up to getting the job. Congratulations. You're done. But yeah. then, then yeah. they forget about, well, you know, you still, you still got to fit into the company. Yeah. So that first 90 days is crucial. So figuring out that, that cultural fit there is important. And of course, w with the web and everything these days, the glass door is probably the number one Oh, right. Now tell people, yeah. tell people who don't know about that, tell them about Glassdoor. Sure. Well, Glass, Glassdoor.com is a, uh, basically a portal where people can put up their opinions of the places they work. Um, you can find salaries in there. You can find um, how well people are, like working there and those kind of things. So it's really a um, kind of a, a neat opportunity to get an inside look uh, because they're anonymous. So nobody's worried about, well, you know, if I put that in there and I go back to work the next day, my boss is going to call me in his office and say, why did you say that about us? So it's an opportunity to, um, you know, to put out some really honest, honest information on companies. I've talked to HR people even just recently. They said, I hate Glassdoor. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Well, um, for, for, well, yeah, it's like it's a Yelp the, for companies. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because they have to have to defend. Well, you know, the policies, HR policies, of course, are, are a lot of times what people see. And um, when you think about policies, there's there's really no way that any kind of a policy in an organization is going to make people happy. They are typically there to control people, and they're typically there to make sure that people fall in line. So if uh, there's policies, HR policies out there that are overwhelming, a lot of times people will have no problem talking about those policies, which in turn has to make the HR folks justify why we have that policy in the first place. Well, it's been there since, you know, 1962, and we just never changed it. Okay, well, maybe now it's time to take a look at it. Do you, do you think – so is that – contemporary HR seems like a very um, – if you're like if you're getting a new a new career a new job and and certainly military transferring from the military into an HR environment where the chain of command is you know everything's different right is is contemporary HR uh, do they need a tune up or or do you just need to as as an individual worker know how to work with a contemporary HR like what do you think is there is there a rub there well a lot of companies um, are using well they're they're not having organic HRs a lot mm. anymore a lot of times they're outsourcing them and um, that outsourcing takes away some of that internal um, opportunities for assistance in understanding the system within which they're working at organizations because there's there they have an HR system there and the policies and the compensation and the training and the, the equal opportunity all that stuff is part of the, the of the bigger system so they really have to be able to manage that system and make sure that the system is, is up to speed so I've, I've seen you know some companies that are fairly small have organic in, internal HR pro- programs very powerful and um, they, they realize that it's an investment not an expense. Others see that it's, you know, boy, if we can outsource the, the pay to, to somebody else and we don't have to worry about it, it's going to free us up. So, However, it, it, it feels like there's, there's been a change. And I also, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the professors that Gerhard has sent us that <laughs> where we talk about this topic, which obviously means it's an important one in business. Right. Right. Absolutely. That there is the bucket of HR stuff that's around benefits and administration. Right. I could see that being outsourced. Like, there's a ton of that stuff. Professionals just, out there. It just yeah. doesn't matter. Just, I mean, it does matter. It's really important you have all that. But, but that the human side, which then gets to the not ahead of HR, but they're the chief talent officer. Right. So they see that as the the most uh, valuable resource. So instead of human resource, the whole thing, the language of it is all kind of messed sure, up, right? Sure. So they'll say, uh, what's the, the latest buzzword is um, human capital, human capital, human capital right. management, right? <laughs> HCM, it's like HCM. Yeah. No, that's a thing, right? Yeah. There's there's HCM shows yeah. and there's you know trade shows and all of that stuff. And we're talking about humans, right? right? People, right? The people we work with that we love, that we care about their families and we're responsible for making sure they can pay their bills and all that kind of stuff. Where, where, where are things going now with that? with the emphasis on the talent versus the emphasis on the, the benefit administration. Well, sure. The, <clears throat> the talent part, of course, is the, is the human piece. And that, that talent has to be um, uh, developed from a, um, an, inter- an intrinsic perspective. In other words, you have to want to get the talent yourself um, from an individual perspective. And the organization has to be able to realize that um, we have to lead people getting back to the leadership thing, yep. lead people back to um, wanting to improve themselves rather than trying to force them. Um, even though the... That's such uh, a good... That's a powerful, powerful statement yeah, right there. I mean, when you, that's when you, push versus pull, right? Yeah, 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 basically. And when you think about the, the difference between leadership and management, managers manage things. Even as a human capital management, a human or talent management, you're managing people as things rather than leading them as people. 
where you know leaders want you. Mark, tell me about where you want to be in the next 10 years. What, what, what can we do as an organization to help you get there? What talents do you bring to us that you see fitting within the organization rather than, Mark, I need you to go to the school, and when you come back, you're going to train everybody else. Well, maybe I don't want to go to that school. Now what are you going to do? Yeah, we didn't yes and. That was we a don't no ask. but. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't ask. Part of um, when um, Professor Weinman was here, Vlad was here, he talked about uh, this thing we I called ADRM, which was we attract, we develop, right. we retain, and we motivate. And on the development side, he said development is, uh, as as the the leader, I need to develop that employee for the job they're going to have. Right. And your book seems to address this idea for someone who's doing career advancement. So it's the job I'm going to have. Right. So my question may seem odd, but it's what percentage of my time is it? So I'm a, I'm a worker. I've got a job. I'm not the owner. I'm, I'm one of the cogs in the wheel. What percentage of my time should I devote myself to planning for my next job? And I don't mean go to another place. Right. My next role within that company. So it's not all about hopping. Right. Well, from an intentional focus perspective, yes. um, 15 to 20% probably. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that, that includes networking within the organization. And networking can often happen in the the formal roles of a meeting. Like we, we go to a meeting and, uh, you know, you might say, you know, what have you been up to? Well, I went to a conference and I learned these things. Oh, really? What'd you learn? Kind of thing. So people are understanding that you're bringing value back to the organization through that networking that you're developing. And the uh, the management of the organizational politics is a huge element um, in, in dealing with, um, you know, career transitions and who's going to get the next bump, bump up and promotion because organizational politics, you know, is a, a, a multi-headed monster all by itself. But uh, you can ride that monster if you do it right. I, which I also enjoy. This is there's a lot of enjoyment in this conversation. I I want to talk about the um, the perceived entitlement of, of of a young employee. I think that there's mm. that especially <clears throat> there's the the emerging generation that's that's entering the workforce or has been for the last five to six years um, has really struggled with that 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 belief of. You know, especially in California, we're in a gold rush when it comes to like app development, tech, and all this. Of this, this we see these aspirational moments of where young people simply have risen for uh, ostensibly stumbling upon a good idea, right. and and it's not through like, well, I have to advance my career over the next ten years, and that's going to take me going to that right. th- those networking meetings, and you know, they're not thinking in that strategic kind of like trajectory, but instead they're just thinking like, I am on the beach with a metal detector hoping to to hit a moment and that's and I deserve that I deserve this you know because it seems like there's certain people that they didn't deserve to be uh, y- you know flying a rocket into space with their Tesla on it you know right. it, it seems like that was a stumble upon didn't he just get lucky yeah uh, and so you're what you're talking about is a language of saying no build a trajectory and right. I think so how do you deal with that 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 idea of entitlement of like well this that's great that's a plan but I'm really talented Right. So I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to notice. Right. Well, I mean, th- the opportunity is there for you to wait as long as you'd like, uh, while everybody <laughs> else is on their own trajectory and developing their trajectories. And I think that that's part of it is, um, uh, you know, set down the, t- the cell phone and let's start talking to each other and finding out, well, what are you working on? What kind of things have you got going? Oh, that's kind of neat. Who have you talked to? Um, again, that that, that, that and that what you just said there though is like. 
you need to find somebody to talk to right. about what you're doing. Like, like even if you think you're this entitled unicorn that, that somebody's going to find and give a bunch of money to, you might want to <laughs> chat with somebody about that. You might yeah. want to you might want to go get a conversation going. Yeah, and and, and it gets back to the politics thing because no matter how good of an idea you have, you might be a young person with a great idea. But um, if you can't sell that idea, if you don't have a mentor to help you develop mm-hmm. that idea and, and gain support for it, it's not going anywhere. You can find a gold mine. You could. But if you don't know how to mine the gold and you right. don't know how to get the gold to market, yeah. and you don't know Amen. how to keep people from s- sneaking in and stealing your yep. gold, you got nothing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Three things come to mind <laughs> after just that last two sentences. Again, this is my favorite topic. Yeah. Um, so if, if it's 20% of my time, I work five days a week, that means one day a week I'm training. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And with your military background and the military people I've worked with in the past, I'm either on the battlefield or I'm training. Right. Or I'm asleep. Right. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of or eating, yeah. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. It's either I'm I'm on, in front of stage, I'm behind yeah. the stage, or I'm napping. Right. Right. And so is that, and I don't think, other than the military or sports, I don't think that emphasis on training is as strong in the corporate environment. Would you agree? I, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, clearly the cost for um, you know military of, accident right. is going to be you know a lot more as we as we've seen unfortunately in the past with sure. the ships colliding and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. That right. if you don't train in those particular ways, right, the, the cost is devastating. Whereas a lot of organizations don't see that cost as that devastating. They see more in the way of dollars. Um, I forget who it was that uh, was talking, there was a CEO talking to their HR manager and they said, you know, we really need to start training people um, on, you know, on leadership and those kind of things. And they said, well, the HR manager said, great, well, what happens if we train them and they leave? And the CEO said, well, (laughs) what happens if we don't train them and they stay? (laughs) So... Right, you know, it's a pr- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a huge it's a huge. Tr- I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on those ships colliding, though. Um, Speaking well, of yeah, from yeah. The Navy as a Navy guy, yeah. 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 I mean, well, we have a lot of collisions in the Navy, and um, uh, the um, uh, they don't all make it to the news like that. Sure. I mean, um, I was on a ship that was parked in Naples, Italy, and uh, wind came along and blew another ship into us. So it, yeah. you know that was a collision. But um, were they preventable? I absolutely think so. Uh, absolutely think so. I was just reading uh, uh, the outcome of the um, um, the proceedings, the disciplinary proceedings um, yesterday. For the, Fitz, for the Fitzgerald or the uh, both of them, both, both of them, McCain yeah. and the and the Fitzgerald, and um, um, there was um, some people that are getting hammered pretty good because of uh, dereliction of duty. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be going to be interesting to see how it all falls out. They bumped up the level of um, investigation, so it's no longer going to be a, a minimal level investigation. There's some serious you know, one of the, well, one of the standard arguments that, that came out of that, or uh, not standard, but like one of the what defenses came out and said, uh, we have been underfunded for, for training. We have been underfunded. There were all of these kind of like like statements. And it, it, it's, again, it's one of those bittersweet moments of like it takes tragedy to kind That's of like true. inspire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. renovation or some attention. Because I think that for too long we thought, well, that machine's just running. It doesn't have right. any – there's no squeaks. So like let's just – and apparently it turns out there were squeaks. There were a lot of people right. saying we don't have enough time. Uh, and energy to put towards this, sure. and, and here's this, you know, and people are going to die, and then they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, which is what you're saying about if we train them and they leave, versus if we don't train them and they stay. Right, 
Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, the, the forums that I'm members of on Facebook are some of the senior enlisted folks and everything. And, um, you know, it, there's discussion on there about um, we've, we've changed as a, as a military in response to social pressure. Mm. And um, that social pressure has resulted in uh, maybe some um, things that used to be um, used to harden people up and uh, get them to do things. Not so much anymore. There was one report, I think, where they said where they weren't getting enough sleep. Yeah. And um, I can't I tell remember you that, that. Times. Yeah, that uh, I didn't get enough sleep. But during that time, we didn't have quite the number of accidents that we're having now. So there's something else going on. This is this is that debate around like like having the ability to, to raise your hand and say, no, drill sergeant, I don't want to do that. Right. Type thing. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Right. And there's but 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 then there's this other interesting thing about, well, the 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 military is is made up of people of this society. Right. So so there has to be a certain they have to play there there has to be some kind of like uh, collaboration sure between between contemporary ideas of life right otherwise you won't get anybody else in the military type right. thing right yeah yeah, yeah. And, I mean, think about it. we we oftentimes when I was on active duty we compared ourselves to a petri dish for society mm. they can try things on us that um, and sure. and it sh- shows up in a, in um, you know what happens if these things don't happen corporate america sits up and takes notice wow mm. you know training mm. sleep these kind of things we need to, we need to pay attention to so mm-hmm. I want to go back to a, an earlier thing you said, which was around that first 90 days and onboarding. And we have, I have this conversation all the time, especially when I hear uh, an organization's got a 30% turnover. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, so what's your on, you, you have a huge onboarding problem. And they go, what do you mean? That's exactly right. And I said, well, because you have 30% new people. And what are you doing to, oh, I mean, it's like it's a news bulletin That's to right. them, right? And onboarding. So, so your point of view in the book is onboarding from the point of view of the employee, right? So what? So, so I'm imagining an employee comes in, and if there's a really well established, you know, dialed in onboarding process, it just feels good. It's comfortable. So, what does an employee do? What's your advice to them if they show up and? All they get is there's your desk and a computer and maybe they get their login right. and that's the extent of the onboarding. They may spend 40 minutes looking for the restroom. Sure. What? How do they? Do you give them practical tips? Well, I I would say um, for me from a uh, you know if I was a new employee someplace I would say um, listen boss uh, I I just want to get out and feel out what's going on. I want to go talk to some people and find out how do we fit and everything and just see what else is going on out here so that they can get out there and see what else is going on. Pay attention to the pictures on the wall. Pay attention to the kind of carpeting that are in different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, look at um, are, are people chatting and are they uh, you know are they happy or are they um, you know trudging along um, those kind of things because I've seen some people that get into organizations that are just clearly not a good fit. It's too much structure or sometimes not enough structure. And, um, you know, there's there's organizations out there that are, um, you know, we, we see, we hold them up as um, um, models of excellent organizations, but there's some people that would not fit there. For instance, Google, you have to have, you know, a lot of um, innovation going on there. But um, it also requires you to be self-disciplined and come up with a lot of ideas on your own, whereas organizations that are a little bit more structured, like banks, might not be for people who need that freedom to get out and do those kind of things. So you really got to understand, you know, where do you fit within the organization? And that first 90 days is a great opportunity 
to do that. I'd imagine banks are a great location for service people coming out of the military. We get a lot of them that do go there. Uh, very financial organized, services. Yeah. Yeah, very organized, very orderly, very, and also that that level of uniform. Yep. That self care. That I'm suddenly my brain. Is well, like, I'm thinking uh, uh, yeah. any company that has a compliance officer. Sure. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right. That's right. Someone says, make sure you do that thing. Yeah. I, I want to work in a place where there is that, but that's just me. Um, what advice do you give to someone in terms of if it's let's go all the way back to the person who was shooting Volkswagen size projectiles <laughs> right. out there and protecting our country. And you there's all these soft skills that right. they had. So now we've already said, we're going to be agnostic about the technical thing you do. We're going to go more towards this other stuff. How do you have them evaluate which industry sector might be an interesting fit? And they're going to go, Hey, I'm it's green field to me. I'm sure I'm open minded. Sure. Do you have some tips for that? Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of lot of uh, tools that you can use out there that are, um, you know, um, interest inventories, aptitude inventories. Interest inventory. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. I like that word. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of things are you interested in? And there's some models out there that will help um, you, can you identify. Give me one? Sure. Um, one of them called the Holland Riasic, R-I-A-S-E-C. What? Holland? Holland is the guy's name. Yeah. And the acronym is R-I-A-S-E-C. That sounds like back in the... And Go ahead. Well, I just, everybody has, like, I think there's a generation out there who was like, well, in high school, they gave me this test. And right. told me that right. I should be a such and such. And yet, like, statistics show us that pretty much we do what our parents did. Like, a lot of times, yeah. Because that's the field that we recognize as sure. a way to make a career. That the culture that we're raised in. Right. Yeah. Right. So what does yeah. RIASIC stand for? Stands for, those are the various areas where people could work, right? So R is for realistic. Yep. Such as retail. I is investigative. A is artistic. Yep. Social, enterprising, yep. and conventional. <laughs> I also love when people take those tests after they're already in the career. Yeah. And there's that feeling yeah. of like, oh. I mean, you really got to take these with a grain of salt, though. Yeah. Um, you know, as a career counselor, anybody, I thought, well, I need to take these so I know what um, what I'm telling people to take. And I, I took one called the um, the Strong Vocational inv- Interest Inventory. And it said, you need to be a mortician. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. You'd be a perfect you mortician. <laughs> you must have chuckled. You have no problems <laughs> with dead bodies. You're very comfortable. I'm like, okay. You don't, you don't want clients to talk to you. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Really Rather than sit there. Oh. So you, you really got to, you know, don't take one and say, oh, it's a, I need to be a mortician. Off I go to mortician school, you know, so. Well, we do we do that for 18-year-olds, though. This is another conversation, especially with, with career counselors and stuff of great interest to me, is that um, – my my high school experience was not was not well directed, I would say, uh, for lots of reasons. But but when I think about the guidance counselor that I had one thirty minute meeting with in four years, yeah. and and if I think about if I went over to the high school right now and I grabbed an eighteen year old and I said, hey, what should I do with my life? Like, would I tr- I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go ask an eighteen year old what to do with my life. And yet, that's kind of what we're saying is that at at this you know this pivotal moment in your life, just figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Right. Not, not what skills might you need to accommodate five or six careers, which is what people are really going right. through, right? Yep. But instead, just like pick one field, get specialized training in that field, and then you'll be set up. Well, what if it's punch card technology and it's 1980, and it turns out there are no punch cards by 1982? Right. right. So you know yeah. that kind of like conversation. How do you how do you 
what are your thoughts on, on an 18-year-old picking their life? Well, well clearly they have to take um, some sort of a uh, look into the future and find out what kind of uh, uh, skills are going to be necessary down the road and, 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 and go that route. The, um, you know, what, what I tell the students that, uh, that, that go into education, that um, not just, you know, well, you know, what do I go, what do, I go to school for? Well, we'll pick something. Just, just start school because what you're going to gain out of that education is not just the four years of the education. You're gaining about eight years of value on that high school diploma mm. in that four years by saying because of the environment exactly by meeting new people by the experiences that you're going to get by the um you know particularly for student athletes um you know that, that team building they right. get the leadership that right. they have there and everything so do you have to st- do you do you, would you advise i think based on what you just said that you would stumble into the rest of the community as well like like if there's a lecture mm-hmm. and it's irrelevant to you maybe go listen Absolutely. to it definitely you've got we, time on your hands take you know? some classes you yeah. don't know about we yep. have had so many conversations around this table because i'm really interested in the origin stories and the you know the genesis myths <laughs> from people from? like what what was it and they'll say it was a professor you know mm-hmm. i thought right. i was going down this one road and it was a professor or it was a roommate who was doing it was always something like that so that that's that happy happenstance thing that right. happens there was uh, we we uh, in my ecosystem we call it a tap on the shoulder right it's like there was that tap and how responsive are you to right. the tap there is another field, though, that suggests, because I, I study um, early childhood development mm-hmm. as well, sure. that um, by the time you're seven, that's baked. It's done with, huh? Baked. Yeah. Which part? That um, the, the, um, the aptitude, what, what you, that, that might be nascent, it will be uh, okay. at that point, but that you, if you could figure it out at seven, that's really where it does, does get figured out. Their interests and all those things. So Starts getting the, focused the guy with the, new, with the new daughter wants to know, wait, what do right. I have to well, teach her by then? Well, no, there's, <laughs> I, I, I got schooled on this pretty heavily from a company called ABC Mouse. And they do early uh, childhood stuff. And there lots of science around it. Lots of smart people doing the research on this. And it was like all is kind of, as a parent, you, by the time they're seven, your job's done, and now it's just keeping them safe yeah. and keeping them yeah. in the lane, right? You've All the stuff you had to do is done by that point. So I'm curious around career stuff because that's when they decide aspirationally, right. I'm going to be that cop. I'm going to be – we had uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Scott Mann in here, and he was <laughs> he young. He saw a Green Beret. Green Beret. He yeah. saw a Green Beret in the cafe. I want to be that guy. I mean, there's a you lot know, of that. Right. You know, but in that story, I'd like to point out that, that it, it didn't occur to me until you just said that. He also saw firefighters. He also saw baristas. He saw uh, waiters, waitresses. He saw school teachers. Yep. And so, you know what I mean? Like, like he that, that's a great origin story. Oh, I saw a Green Beret and right. I chose to be a Green Beret. But it's like, yeah, you, you saw lots of You saw policemen. You saw There was something about that at that time. You know what I right? mean? Like, it, it's not like that was the first human being he saw. Right, uh, right. So it's, it's, it is about a selective process. And it's, it's about something that speaks to you. Right. You know, you have to have mm-hmm. something that's going to speak to you that's going to give you the uh, um, that insight. You know, I don't know what that uniform stands for, but I like the way it looks. And that's going to be the yeah, goal that yeah. I'm going to pursue is whatever I got to do to get to that uniform level. And you pick up the other other things along the way. Well, in order to do that, you got to go through the training. And this is what they do. They jump out of helicopters and, and parachute down. Okay, well, if that's what I got to do, then that's, you know, where I'm going to go. I so. think about, I feel bad about this in the, the, the generation right now um, that is, is very young is watching uh, uh, DJs be the predominant music drivers. <laughs> Rather than Eric Clapton, like, That's right. like, 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 not, not that Eric Clapton is the best idol in the world, or you know, whoever Hendrix or whatever. But it's like, but I think about that 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 the kids right now they're not seeing like like 
Hendrix saw, you know, incredible blues guitarists and modeled, you know, and, right, and turned into right, Hendrix. Sure. And I wonder that thing of like watching a DJ stand in front of in front of two turntables with the headphones on, are they going to turn into <laughs> like there's that you know what I mean like like Scott Mann saw the the um, the the Green Beret who was was you know heroic, and and that inspired him to go build that life. Uh, and I I wonder it's like are we what will we see in the next generation of like of mm, like well I mm. I met a computer developer yeah, and uh, yeah. and now I've modeled myself who turned into a millionaire or I'm a follower of the Kardashians or okay uh, so that's right, another one right, right? like like what are well that, we've talked about this I want to be famous for being just for being famous right 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 celebrity that modeling for celebrity shake. that modeling of like looking around oh, yeah. and this and this kind of maybe goes back to to that other point of like. Uh, if you see one Green Beret, maybe check in and see some other Green Berets. Right. Like you know, whatever your aspirational thing yeah. is, like find some find some other yeah. uh, versions of that thing. Yeah, well, I, I like that taking a, a, an existing employee to lunch. Oh, yeah, like that. That's that on was, that. That's on that, that level. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I want to. I'm uh, the other another thing I'm really interested in because we do, as you know, we do TEDx Santa Barbara and we right. do public speaking and we coach people around that. We just finished a series on um, mastering mind, uh, mindset. Right. And one of the episodes was around confidence. Okay. Because as a public speaker, I want to be confident in my content. Sure. And I want to be confident in my performance. And the delivery, yeah. Right? Because yeah. The, those two things go hand in hand. So now I'm thinking, okay, let's apply that to the performance of the interview. Right. So my content is my resume and my CV and all of that stuff. Right. So I'm confident. I'm, I got what it takes, and then I'm confident in my performance. Right. So what are the three tips, Professor, that someone could check, have written down if they had to at, just before they walk into that high-stakes interview, three things that are going to help them build their, have their confidence as high as possible? Sure. Well, I, I would say that the, the first thing um, pre the interview is realize the purpose of the interview. Um, when you think about it, the, um, the resume and the cover letters are telling the organization if you can do the job. Yep. The interview is going to tell them if you will do the job. Okay. So if you realize that that's the purpose of the interview, you are there because they think you can do the job already. Now they're going to find yep. out if you will do the job. Okay. That helps you identify the purpose of the interview and why are they hiring somebody in that place. Right. Make sure you ask questions because, again, it is that two-way street. So, okay, so um, that's ask, one. So you're clear on the purpose. Right. Two. And, then, and then ask, you know, find out about the organization. You know, it's uh, it's a um, um, an interview of going both ways. So you need to make sure that the individual that you're interviewing with, and sometimes it's going to be a panel interview. Sometimes you may end up in sequential interviews. I interviewed for a job at FedEx when I first got out of the Navy um, uh, for a training position. And I had an interview with um, seven different people. Oh. People sure. who were going to work for standard. me, yeah. People like, who were going to work with me, and people who I was going to work for, as well as a presentation. So huh. there was, you know, the multiple level of um, of things there. So you know, know what the process is as well. So how does that help your confidence? How does that help your confidence? Well, the first interview, obviously, if it goes well, and they've asked you to come back for another one, they must still like me, so I, I should be able to right, do so, that. Right. Yeah. So that understanding of the business, though, gives you a solid foundation. Absolutely. Got it. Yep. Okay. And what would be the third one then? Well, the third one is, um, you know, ask um, who who am I going to be working for? Because oftentimes you think it's going to be the person interviewing you, but it might not be. So, you know, and also, you know, <laughs> you know, make sure that you're there to help the company. Too many times people go in and they, they'll say, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I want your job. That's I see myself sure. in your position. 
be self-aware of what these requirements are. You know, that self-awareness of, uh, of your hot buttons and what, how you treat other people is going to be very important. It's funny you say that because I'm working with a client now, and the COO started at the front desk. Mm. And when that person was asked, what do you want to do? The person said, I want to run this company. And it was like, okay, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And they and that person's now the COO. Yeah, yeah. come yeah. on. Man, right over there. I, I, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, Bruce, we've burned through our forty-five minutes. Just like go? we do that all the time. Yeah. And I go? wish it took you. It was only took you that long to write the book, right? <laughs> <laughs> it took him that long to think this about is, writing. Yeah. I've no, got exactly. other ones in the hopper that I've still got to get working on. So. Well, that's well. See, that's the thing. Being a being a tenured professor is all about. What do they say? Publish or perish yeah, or something. Publisher, I mean, perish. like you're writing all the time. I, I love this book. I'm I'm so it's called the 21st Century Career Search System. Can we use that for the title of the show? Sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. Because yeah. I think that's um, available that's, everywhere. Fine books are ordered that's from right. the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's it it just um, so just uh, it's been a couple of, just a couple of minutes because um, I'm interested in the. There's the content, and you're an expert on that. You could write it. Tell me, that was just part of it, the getting it printed and getting yeah. it done and getting it all. What's that? I mean, that's, yeah, that's a that's a lot of work <laughs> and a lot of money. You, you spend a, a lot, lot of money. Of, yeah, you spend a lot of money getting that stuff done. Oh. Um, editors editors uh, cost quite a bit. So you might think that you've got a great book, but right. they go in and they know what people are reading rather than just the content there. Where do the pictures go? What are the pictures going to be like when the, when they come out? You know, those kind of things. So um, it, it was it was quite a bit of money in editorial, editorial Does stuff. Does the so. university help in that? No, not really. That's, that's kind of your own yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a, that's on you to get the, the book published and everything. So Wow. Yeah. Is this your first? or sorry, This or, is my first book, yeah. Well, hey, yeah. one in a row, we like to that's say. Right, <laughs> right. One, right. In a, one in a row. Well, uh, Bruce, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And and when you get your next book done, will you come back? And I talk certainly to will. Us yeah, it's going to be an interesting it. one. Yeah, we're gonna. You know, the the uh, baseball team was the national champions last year um, for the CLU baseball team, and right. we're writing a uh, Marty Slimak and I are writing a book on the, the the year that was. So and and we do happen to know that the president of the university is a big, big fan baseball, of baseball yeah. so you're getting you're he's clearing the lane for you to that's right get in there and write that <laughs> book and uh he yeah. i mean that's if you want to get him engaged just ask a baseball question that's right and, and he's going to go long and deep that's right on that i um i thought you were going to say you're going to write a book on management of organizational politics which uh well that would be a good one too yeah right i'll do totally. that next weekend yeah, yeah. next weekend okay <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, we'll have you but you're back. right. That would be. Uh, it might not be factually yeah. accurate, but yeah. I'm sure. No, I think that that's especially for people. I mean, you're going to have organizational politics every anytime you have more than two people yep. together. You're going to have politics. That's exactly and right. Figuring out how to navigate that, and you know, th that's an important thing. And and I'm sure there's books on that, but uh, I'd love to read one written yeah. by you. Um, I want to also thank uh, another shout out to um, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services 
and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast or, Patrick, lately we have people calling who want to do a podcast. Yeah. So uh, we're, we we're having the, those conversations as well. We have all of the uh, mechanisms to create podcasts for people. We've done it several times now, and yeah. um, we find it to be an excellent way to increase the footprint of whatever uh, situation, program, organization you're working with. Yeah, I think we're doing five shows now. So we're, we're <laughs> I don't wow, I don't keep just, track. I know I you keep, don't. Uh, that's my <laughs> that's job. That's your job. That's <laughs> my job. Yeah. So Patrick, the person who's listening right now, because yeah. they're. You know, they're, they're really fascinated in how to get better at all of this. And that's why they listen to the show. They want to get better at their job. How could they help us? Well, besides, uh, you know, issuing a declaration to the world that this is a podcast you listen to by rate, writing, and reviewing. Uh, share this podcast with people around you. Um, I've mentioned before, it's a great birthday gift. What a, what a what an inexpensive housewarming or birthday gift is to give them this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Wrap birthday. It up in a bow. Let me see your uh, phone. Happy birthday. There's a podcast for you. Subscribed. Um, so, yeah, uh, subscribe to the show. Um, um, you know, one other, this is a very small thing, but also a monumentally huge thing is that um, many of our guests on the show have come on. Um, they have things like books, uh, like Bruce's here, and uh, buy them. Yeah. You help us and let them know that you bought it because you heard it on, on the show and that that was something that you wanted to add to your uh, collection. Uh, just uh, that, that back and forth allows us to say to our guests, this will be beneficial to you because uh, people will listen to the show and they will then support uh, the other things you're doing. There you go. Yeah. I uh, would love to hear from you personally as well. We get our best ideas. In fact, 100% of the ideas come from suggestions from our listeners on people we should talk to. Martine. I am talking to you right now because you send me all kinds of great people to talk to. Thank you so much. So be like Martine. Uh, send me an idea for a guest. Drop me a note to mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much in advance. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>